Turn with me to the third uh, chapter of John's Gospel. Let's look at this story of Nicodemus together. These, uh, these next few weeks are going to be uh, fairly intense kind of things about the kind of church that God wants us to be. And uh, so I want you to do the best you can to stay with us during the next few weeks. Uh, I don't expect you to take copious notes, but you ought to write down one or two things that hit you uh, right between the eyes uh, or hit you in the gut or kicked you in the pants, whatever it does, or calms you down. Make some notes about that. Uh, I think one of our most difficult processes that we go about is how do we become the kind of church that God wants us to become. And today we're just going to start looking at the very first thing that's needed in that regard. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miracles, miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with them. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he can enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. When I began to think about this series, uh, I read some material that was entitled, uh, The Church You've Always Wanted. And the material was good, the biblical content was good, some of the ideas were used to frame the series that we're involved in. Something didn't set right in my mind, in my heart. Not sure exactly what it was at first. But as I continued to think about the title and how it was off to me, it finally came to me what the problem was. Some of the greatest difficulties in the church come from church members trying to make the church into an institution that pleases them and their kind. So when this title said the church you've always wanted, that just kept niggling at me, uh, even though the content was good. So I want us to understand that what we're talking about is not the church that you've always wanted, but the church that God continues to want us to build here on earth. Now, the people who 
want the church to be like they think it ought to be are often good people. But they miss the biblical admonitions for what the church really ought to be like. Inside, I think there's a lot of conversation going on in their heads that says, you know, God has asked us to do an impossible thing. There's no way that we can be what God wants us to be. So let's don't worry about that. That's fantasy. Those are things that are impossible for us to do. So let's just do the best we think we ought to do. There are hundreds and thousands of little family-run churches that run 50, 75 people on a Sunday morning all across this country and around the world. And they call a preacher for a year or two, and then they send him on his way, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. That little family church is run by the Smiths or the Joneses or the Archibalds or some family that created that church in the first place, and they're the ones that call the shots. So it's their church. We also have churches all across this country and around the world that are size of PG. Run 200 on Sunday morning, maybe 175 occasionally, maybe 250 once in a while, but they're a church of about 200 people on Sunday morning. And they're run by a few people. I'm not talking about PG, I'm talking about church at large. If it applies, take it on, but I'm not, that's not who I'm talking about this morning. But it has nothing to do with their official positions in the church. It's not because they've been elected to something, it's their it's their business always to say no to anything that's new that comes along the way. Or it's their business to say, you know, if we did this thing, can you think of the problems it's going to cause us? Uh, we can't have a preschool. We can't have an after-school child care thing because it's going to mess up the building, because we're going to have to share resources with Sunday school. We don't want to do that. That's not the right thing for us to do. And so the church ends up being less than what God wants it to be. About 50% of the SBT churches never baptize a single person in a year. The latest records for the Blue Ridge Baptist Association says that in 2018... 19 of 37 churches reported no baptism whatsoever. That's not the kind of church that God called us to be. I cannot believe God wants us to be a church that refuses community needs or that doesn't have enough uh, care about the community that one person is not baptized in a year. Child abuse, spousal abuse, they're not on the decline in North Carolina. Robbery, assault, 
All those things that we think are terrible don't seem to be getting any easier uh, to ignore in our communities. Somehow the church is not influencing those people across America. Human trafficking put slavery at an all-time historical high. We have never in the history of the world counted so many people caught up in human trafficking as we have right now. And that's hard for us to think about when a slavery was official and all those kind of things. But today, human trafficking traffics more people than slavery ever did. Church budgets are groaning under the pressures of expenses that they can't handle. We can't afford to support missionaries around the world to help people lift their lives in Christ to become who He wants them to be. We find people all over this country and in this county isolated and lonely and without companionship because our church members somehow can't find time to stop by, say hello, how you doing, and pray with them. On any given Sunday, 50% of church members are nowhere to be found inside a church. That's at least among Southern Baptists. Nominating committees, I guess this one too, struggles every year to find people who are willing to serve God in this place to do the mission that we think we're called to do. That's not the kind of church that God has asked us to build, I don't believe. So, where do we start? Well, this morning we're going to start at the beginning. We can't encompass all these things. I can't encompass everything in the next several weeks. But today we're going to start with the beginning. And that is God wants a regenerate church membership. Now, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, I'm sure he had something on his mind. But Jesus gave him a lesson in the kingdom of God before Nicodemus had a chance to ask him what it is he wanted to ask him. Now, Nicodemus was a good man. He was a leader in his community. He was well-respected in every way. But Jesus told this man, you must be born again if you want to be a part of God's kingdom. Now, the word regeneration is not the word used in this New Testament passage. I understand that. But the idea of regeneration through being born again or being a new creature in Christ is all through the New Testament and is the same kind of concept. The new birth is a metaphor for what must happen to a person before they can be included in the kingdom of God. Being a good person is often the standard that we're looking for, though, isn't it? Are they a good person? Well, yeah, they're a good person. Well, they would just fit fine right here because they're a good person. But there are a lot of good persons who are not following 
what God wants them to do in their life. They're just being a good person. Not that that's not part of it, but that's all they know. So, when Paul reminds us that his goodness is as filthy rags, we have to rethink what this goodness business is all about and whether or not that's what we really want to talk about the most. Paul says, I am chief among sinners. And his only hope was the miracle of God that changed his life so he could become a part of the kingdom of God. And that's what we need to begin with in our lives. Paul writes to the churches of Galatia to say that nothing matters regarding salvation except being new creatures. Paul tells Titus to tell the churches in Greek in Crete that God saves people by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. When Peter wrote to the churches scattered around Rome, <clears throat> Roman Empire, he reminded them that they had been born again through the Word of God, meaning through Christ. And because of that, they could live in brotherly love as God's people. Paul says, it is through the renewing of our mind that we become acceptable to God. God's church, first and foremost, is to be a regenerated group of people, regenerated by the miraculous work of God through Christ Jesus. Now, education is really good. Being a good person is really good. Education is really good. Uh, long live the tribe. Long live Sunday school. But education is not how we get people into the kingdom of God. I would never disparage education in the church, in the public, anywhere else. I would never disparage that. I would tell you that there's work yet to be done in education in this church and many other churches around the world. We need to do a better job and a more extensive job with education. But education is not how we enter the kingdom of God. I had a fourth grade Sunday school teacher in Charlotte when my children were going through the fourth grade. It was her job personally to make sure that every fourth grader knew everything they needed to know to make a profession of faith, to give their life to Christ. And she did everything she knew how to do to make sure they had joined the church by the time they finished the fourth grade. She was a wonderful teacher. She had good intentions. I wouldn't take away from anything she did. But we often think because they finished the fourth grade in Mrs. So-and-so's class and they've come down here and said, I want to be a Christian, that they've experienced a new birth, that they are a new creation. And that just isn't so. Just because we teach our children, these are the right answers to this question in regard to salvation. And they can repeat those answers. Doesn't mean they've had an experience in their life that would change them, that would cause them to be a new creature, born again. No wonder 
Not all, but no wonder when so many of them grow up and for the first time in their brain, they have the cognitive skills to understand the radical nature of Christian faith. They say, how is it that my faith has been so casual and lackluster and didn't amount to a hill of beans since I was in the fourth grade? Sometimes they make that decision that becomes a new birth decision. Praise God for that. But sometimes they decide it just ain't worth much, is it? Or sometimes even worse, they just keep on with a churchiness about them, not a new creation in them. What God wants is a regenerate church membership that comes at His work and not ours. The radical nature of rebirth or being born again is a very strong metaphor. Very strong. When we think about having to restart the way we think, we don't see people the same way anymore when we are new creatures. I don't see myself in the same light. I don't see you in the same light. And I don't see people out there in the same light. I see them from God's perspective, not my perspective. Putting away old things and starting new is not an easy task. It can only begin by the power of God in our life, not on our own, not because we're good, not because we've been educated. The old self often says, I can't do that. Just not in my personality. I can't do that. That person hurt me so bad. She hurt my family in ways that you cannot believe. I cannot forgive that person. That's me talking. That is not a new creation talking. For somebody to tell you they can't forgive another person is the first sign that they're not a new creature. A first sign that they have not renewed their thinking like God would choose them to think. And that's what being a reborn person is about. Thinking from God's perspective, no longer my perspective. Another perspective I harp on a lot is money, stewardship. When I think about that from my perspective, I think about how hard I work to earn the money I get. I think how much I want my children, my family to have more than I had when I was growing up. And I'm going to give it to them no matter what. It doesn't matter whether I give anything to the church. It doesn't matter whether I'm a tither or not. My first responsibility is to my family. And I'm going to give them what they need. That is not reborn thinking. That is not new creature thinking. 
God has given us every resource we have. My personality, my ability to learn, the experiences I've had in life that have been good to me or bad to me. God has all those resources at His disposal if I am a new creature. I don't think about, well, what's best for me? I think about what's best for the kingdom of God. If we began to think that way, things would be a great deal different. You know, infants are completely dependent on others for their nurture. Human beings, I believe it's true. Now, some of you who are zoologists and other scientific people might find I'm not correct here. But I believe I am correct. Humans are the most dependent beings on the planet. We require more nurture as an infant than any other animal or plant there is in the universe. Well, if we apply that metaphor now to being a new creature and being an infant in Christ, it means that we must now begin to depend upon God alone for our nurture. It is He who decides how we think. It is He who decides how to distribute our resources amongst our family and the world. It is He who decides the kind of church we want to help create. Not me, but it is Him. In Luke 14, there's a quotation by Jesus that's really powerful. Listen to this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and even his own life, he cannot be a disciple of mine. At the crucifixion, Jesus looks out at his disciples and he says, You are now my mother's sons all those metaphors have to do with family what family do we pay attention to what family do we have to nurture us it is the family of God that nurtures us now parents you're going to have some children ask you at lunchtime why in the world did the preacher say that Jesus said, I have to hate my mother and my father and my brother and my sister. They don't understand that hyperbole. But you do. And you talk to them about it at lunchtime and explain it to them. So they understand better what Jesus was talking about when he said that to his followers. Most of us are not connected in the world in such a way that we really have some empathy for the family of God being absolutely dependent on itself. But if you're a Hindu in India and you become a Christian, you cannot 
go home to your family. You are cut off from your family. You cannot enter that house any longer. You cannot receive food, money, sustenance, care from that family any longer. You have to find somebody in the Christian community who will now take care of you. That's foreign to us. That is not foreign to Jesus. In Sri Lanka, we just heard about the terrorists' work there, the families that were killed. In Sri Lanka, it's not much different. If you become a Christian, you often have to find another place to live. When we begin to think about the church that God wants, we need to think about the worldwide church, not just PG and McDowell County. Now, I am grateful, and I think you ought to be proud of the fact that PG is a church that cares about his community. And you do a lot in this community, and I praise you for it. But I want you to know that if we're a regenerated group of people, we have the same empathy for the people in Asia and Africa and South America and Canada as we do in PG. And that our mission is, yes, to help things in PG, to help things in McDowell County to help things in North Carolina. And if we were giving ourselves and giving our money as we needed, we'd also be able to help the people around the world much better. And it's not an either or, but it's a both and if we are regenerated and begin to think about how God thinks about His people. God doesn't think about the people in the United States as His fair-haired children. God thinks about the people all over this world who have had a new creation in their being, who have become a new person, and they are God's people, and He cares about them, and we must care about their protection and their nurture just as much as we care about our very own. Regenerated church people is what God wants. People who think from His perspective, not their perspective. God wants people who are committed to doing church His way and not their way. Now, I know that you know that regeneration is not instantaneous. Just because Ethan says, I'm a believer when he was nine, doesn't mean that he's all what God wants him to be and he's completely regenerated and doing everything that God wants him to do. Talk to Ethan, I believe he'll tell you. God has taught him some things through the years about how he might renew 
his thinking. We all go through that same process, but we got to make sure that we're beginning with the same idea that it is God's way and not my way that happens to be the most important, both in my life and in my church life. It takes time for us to become all God wants us to become. It's not magic. It's not instantaneous. It's hard work. It's called discipleship. But it begins when we have this experience in our life, whether it comes bam like Paul or whether it comes over time for others, that we realize that God is at work in our life to change us, to renew our thinking. Then we can become a regenerated church membership that serves God in new ways. This morning, I ask you to think about a way that you can make one more step. A lot of people in this room who are already on the way. A lot of people in this room have already had a regenerating experience in their life. And they just need to nurture it a little more. They need to take another step of faith and say, God, I need to turn loose of this anger. God, I need to turn loose of this bitterness. God, I need to turn loose of these resources. God, I need to turn loose of my whatever so that I can be the kind of person you've called me to be in this church and in your kingdom in this place. 